0: Hello and welcome to a brand new series of the Zero to Finals podcast where we'll be going through pediatric immunology. My name is Tom and in this first episode of this series we'll be going through allergy. You can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com/allergy or in the immunology section of the Zero to Finals pediatrics book. So let's get straight into it. Allergy is an umbrella term for hypersensitivity of the immune system to allergens. Allergens are proteins that the immune system recognizes as foreign and potentially harmful leading to an allergic immune reaction. These proteins are types of antigen. Antigens are proteins that can be recognized by the immune system. The body will come in contact with millions of different antigens and very few will lead to a hypersensitivity reaction. The ones that do are called allergens. Atopy is a term used to describe a predisposition to having hypersensitivity reactions to allergens. It refers to a tendency to develop conditions such as eczema, asthma, hay fever, allergic rhinitis and food allergies. These conditions are referred to as atopic conditions. Often when patients have one atopic condition they'll have others as well and atopy tends to run in families. Let's talk about the importance of establishing and excluding allergies. Having a food allergy can have a huge psychosocial burden on a child, particularly in those patients who have anaphylaxis or an EpiPen. It means having to check all food labels for the ingredients, ensuring that all those who are responsible for the child are aware, for example the school or other parents or carers or relatives and being very cautious or avoiding eating out in restaurants or anywhere with unlabeled food where allergens may have made their way into the food. It's not uncommon for symptoms and histories of allergies to actually be a somatization disorder rather than a true allergy. It's important to establish whether symptoms are down to an allergy or they're more psychological because an allergy diagnosis can lead to restrictive or unhealthy eating and do more harm than good. Allergy testing can play a key role in reassuring patients that they do not have true allergy to certain foods. Let's talk about the skin sensitization theory of allergy. The skin sensitization theory is currently the leading theory on the origin of allergies in a patient. The theory suggests there are two main contributors to a child developing an allergy to a food. Firstly, there's a break in the infant skin which may be from eczema or a skin infection that allows allergens such as peanut proteins from the environment to cross the skin and react with the immune system. Secondly, the child does not have contact with that allergen via the gastrointestinal tract and there's an absence of the gastrointestinal tract exposure to the allergen. The theory is that allergens entering through the skin are recognized by the immune system as foreign and harmful proteins. The immune system reacts by becoming sensitized to that allergen so that when it next encounters the allergen, it will launch a full immune response or an allergic reaction. When a baby is weaned around 6 months of age, If they're regularly eating food that contains that allergen, their GI tract is regularly being exposed to that protein. The GI tract will recognize that allergen as a food and not a harmful or foreign protein and inform the immune system that actually this is a safe thing to be exposed to. The theory is that regular exposure to an allergen through food and preventing exposure to that allergen through the skin can prevent food allergies from developing as the immune system becomes accustomed to getting contact with the allergen through the GI tract rather than through the skin. Let's talk about the different hypersensitivity reactions. Many conditions are the results of a hypersensitivity reaction. Atopic conditions such as asthma, atopic eczema, allergic rhinitis, hay fever, food allergies and animal allergies are all the result of hypersensitivity reactions of the immune system. The Coombs and gel classification is used to describe the underlying pathology of different hypersensitivity reactions. Type 1 hypersensitivity reactions involve IgE antibodies. These antibodies to a specific allergen trigger mast cells and basophils to release histamines and other cytokines. This causes an immediate immune reaction. Typical examples are food allergy reactions, where exposure to an allergen leads to an acute reaction ranging from itching, facial swelling and urticaria to full-blown anaphylaxis. Type 2 hypersensitivity reactions involve IgG and IgM antibodies. These antibodies react to an allergen and activate the complement system, leading to direct damage to local cells. Examples are hemolytic disease of the newborn and transfusion reactions. Type 3 hypersensitivity reactions involve immune complexes that accumulate and cause damage to local tissues. Examples are autoimmune conditions such as systemic lupus erythematosus or SLE, rheumatoid arthritis and henoch schonlein or HSP. Type 4 hypersensitivity reactions are cell-mediated hypersensitivity reactions caused by T lymphocytes. T cells are inappropriately activated causing inflammation and damage to local tissues. Examples are organ transplant rejection and contact dermatitis. Let's talk about the assessment of allergy. A detailed history is the most important aspect of diagnosing allergies. Allergies can be diagnosed based on the history alone. Investigations are impossible to interpret without a clear history of the allergy. Important areas to cover in your history are the timing of the reaction after the exposure to the allergen, previous and subsequent exposure and reaction to that allergen, symptoms of rash, swelling, difficulty breathing, wheeze and cough, and a personal or family history of atopic conditions and other allergies. Let's talk about investigations. As we've already said, the most reliable information about whether a patient has an allergy is a clear and detailed history. Investigations supplement the history to help confirm or exclude the allergy. There are three main ways to test for allergy. Skin prick testing, RAST testing which involves a blood test for total and specific immunoglobulin E and food challenge testing. Skin prick testing and RAS testing assess sensitization and not allergy. This is important because it makes these tests notoriously unreliable and misleading. Think carefully before you perform an allergy test, particularly a RAS test. Often they'll come back showing that the patient is sensitized to many things you had tested for, And it becomes very challenging to explain to the parent or to the child that the positive test results does not mean it's unsafe for the child to eat those foods. Food challenge testing is the gold standard investigation for diagnosing allergy. However, it requires a lot of time and resources and it's only available in selected centres. Let's talk in more detail about skin prick testing. A patch of skin is selected, usually on the patient's forearm. Strategic allergen solutions are selected, for example peanuts, house dust mite and pollen. A drop of each allergen solution is placed at marked points along the patch of skin. There will also be drops of a water control and a histamine control. A fresh needle is used to make tiny breaks in the skin at each of the sites with each allergen. After 15 minutes, the size of the wheels to each of the allergens are assessed and compared to the controls. Let's talk more about patch testing. Patch testing is the most helpful test in determining whether a specific allergen is causing allergic contact dermatitis. It's not helpful at all for food allergies. The patient may be tested for reactions to latex, perfumes, cosmetics or plants. A patch containing the allergen is placed on the patient's skin. This patch can either contain a specific allergen or a grid with lots of allergens as a screening tool and then after two to three days the skin reaction to the patch is assessed. Let's talk more about RAST testing. RAST testing measures the total and allergen specific IgE quantities in the patient's blood sample. In a patient with atopic conditions such as eczema and allergies, the results will often come back positive for almost everything that you test. So this can be quite unhelpful and misleading as it may give the impression that the patient is allergic to far more things than they actually are. Finally, let's talk about food challenge testing. A food challenge should be performed in a specialized unit with very close monitoring and equipment to deal with any allergies that take place the child is gradually given increasing quantities of an allergen to assess their reaction, starting with almost non-existent quantities diluted further in other foods, for example mixing a small amount of peanut into a large bar of chocolate. Children are monitored very closely after each exposure. And this can be very helpful in excluding allergies and reassuring a child that they don't need to exclude that food from their diet any longer. Let's talk about management of allergies. It's essential to establish the correct allergen and make a correct diagnosis. After you know the causative allergen, this allergen needs to be avoided. This involves avoiding foods that may contain that allergen and cause an allergic reaction. Regular hoovering and changing sheets and pillows is important in patients that are allergic to house dust mites. Patients with hay fever may wish to stay indoors when pollen counts are high. Prophylactic antihistamines can be used when contact is inevitable, for example in hay fever or allergic rhinitis. And patients at risk of anaphylactic reactions should be given an adrenaline auto-injector, for example an EpiPen. In certain cases, specialist centres may initiate a lengthy process of gradually exposing the patient to allergens over months with the aim of reducing their reaction to certain foods or allergens. This is called immunotherapy. Finally, let's talk about what to do following exposure to an allergen. Treatment of allergic reactions are with antihistamines, for example, cetirizine, Steroids, for example, oral prednisolone, topical hydrocortisone or IV hydrocortisone and intramuscular adrenaline in anaphylaxis. Antihistamines and steroids work by dampening the immune response to allergens. Close monitoring is essential after an allergic reaction to ensure it does not progress to anaphylaxis. Thanks for listening to this episode on allergies. A big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing this podcast. If you found the podcast helpful and you want written notes on this topic and all the other topics, head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of the Zero to Finals Pediatrics book. You can find full audiobook versions of the Zero to Finals books on Audible and you can find all the notes as well as videos, illustrations and questions completely free on the Zero to Finals website at zerotofinals.com. And I hope you tune in for the next episode where we'll talk in more detail about anaphylaxis.